Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 445. I really think that you need to take a little bit of time every day to dream. And then you have to take time to make your dreams come true. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Don Panos. Don, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am. I got my seat belts on, my shoulder belts on, and I even borrowed a helmet. Oh, cool. Well, I, you know, I like it when my guests show up prepared. It means a lot to me, so thank you for that. I'll, I'll make sure we don't need that uh, that helmet, though. I'll try to keep it between okay. the lines. Don Panos is the chairman of Brazelton Delta Wing Technology Group and managing partner of Delta Wing Racing Cars. They provide a wide range of design, engineering, manufacturing, and transportation technology solutions committed to delivering fuel-efficient emissions-reducing technologies that benefit everyday drivers and commuters. He's also chairman of the board of NanoLumens, designers and manufacturers of large format LED display solutions. And in 2013, Don became the 29th inductee into the Entrepreneurship Hall of Fame. In 2014, he was the recipient of the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America's Bob Russo Heritage Award. Okay, Don, I've told our listeners just a little bit about your incredible history. Could you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Well, I I started out in the pharmaceutical business back in the day when we used to call it the drug business, but now we have to say pharmaceutical. Yeah, sounds a little better. (laughs) Yeah, 1960, uh, me and an ex-Army buddy uh, founded a company called Mylan Labs, which is now the largest generic company in the world. And then in 69, I went to Ireland and started Elon Corporation, which was a research pharmaceutical development company developing dosage forms for the industry. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I built resort in Georgia, Chateau Elan, and got in the resort and golf business after I retired from Elon in 97 and uh, built a winery and was the first to build a winery in Georgia in the south. Wow. Then uh, 97, I got into motorsport. Motorsport is the thing I'm going to talk about, but uh, I I can tell you that up until uh, 96, I really didn't have much of an interest in motorsport. My son, 
who designs the Pena sports cars and builds them, uh, started doing that in 1990. And in 96, I said, you know, you're building these great sports cars, but you should have a racing heritage. And he said, well, look, you're retired talking about me uh -huh. and I'm busy. So why don't you do the racing? And at that time, I'd only been to four races in my life. Oh, my gosh. And I was six, 62 years old then. So uh, I decided, uh, okay, I'll give it a shot. And Danny introduced me to uh, Adrian Reynard. Uh -huh. And Adrian came over and uh, was looking at what Danny built, the Roadster. And uh, he said, what kind of racing do you want to do? Well, I had seen the Steve McQueen movie. So I said, well, <laughs> Le Mans racing. Yeah. And he said, brilliant, brilliant sports cars. And uh, he said, what kind of a car? I said, well, like the Roadster. And I'd, I'd learned a little bit then. I said, I know you can't have the open wheels on the front, but basically that, that size, that shape. He said, brilliant. And he said, what kind of a motor do you want? And I said, I want the motor that's in the Roadster, the small block Ford. Mm -hmm. And he said, brilliant. At one Le Mans, in, I think it was 67 with A.J. Foyt and Dan Gurney. Oh, yeah. He said, brilliant. And he said, and how do you want it? I said, just like the Roadster. He said, the engine up front? And I said, yes. He said, brilliant. He said, that's really brilliant. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I didn't know I was brilliant, but he kept telling me I was. And he said, uh, he said, you know, uh, they went to rear engine motors because uh, the drivetrains used to weigh 60 or 70 pounds. But we can do a drive shaft that will weigh about 6 or 7 pounds. And he says, you'll be perfectly balanced. And that was the foundation of the Pano's GTR1 car. Yeah. And, uh, of course, that car went on to be quite successful. And then basically the same chassis of that car went as the basic format for all of our LMP cars, mm -hmm. Le Mans prototypes. Oh, yeah. Open top. So uh, that, was, that was quite interesting. Adrian, I have to take my hat off to him, did a good job. He did the production of the cars and the time that he said. He did it for the price that he quoted. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, the cars got to us uh, about three. The first car got to us about three weeks before uh, Sebring in '97. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine who I'd known from helping establish a ranch uh, for children in Ireland, uh, Paul Newman, uh, oh, yes. came down and did the first testing on the car. Oh wow! And he said, "You know, you, you got a hell of a car here." And then I went to Sebring and. Uh, the famous quote of Andy Evans on the radio, who owned IMSA at that time and the Sebring track, and who was in the Ferrari 333, says, I've been behind this Panos for about four laps. I can't give by it, and we'll have to penalize it. And uh, that night, we were penalized 150 pounds, oh. and, uh, we, but we set the lap record at Sebring. Wow. And then, of course, as new race cars go, uh, the electricals failed on the first lap, and we were out for about three hours. And uh, then we went on to Road Atlanta, and we won the next race at Road Atlanta. So wow. that was our start. You know, it's an incredible start, and it's an incredible story. And what's really cool about this story to me is you had had a successful career. You'd retired, in essence, but your concept of retirement is a little different than many people. You didn't run out on the golf course and play golf and sit by a pool. You got down to business and started having some fun in automotive. And we're going to hear more about that as we go through your career path here. But first, I always like to start by asking my guest for a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. And it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Don, take the wheel. Okay. Well, there's a curve coming up. So uh, <laughs> I'll tell you. 
I've always kind of felt that, uh, and I've, I've said this to a lot of people in some schools that I've talked at and things, but uh, I really think that you need to take a little bit of time every day to dream. Mm. And then you have to take time to make your dreams come true. Yes. And you also have to realize that in that time that you're making, you're trying to make your dreams come true, like anybody who's going to dream a lot, you're going to have a few nightmares. <laughs> and you have to be prepared to deal with those and face them head on. And uh, if they are something that you just can't get around, then you have to discard them and go on to your dreams. I don't see any point in doing things, spending my time doing things that everybody else is doing. Mm. And if I'm going to do it, I like to have a little different twist to it. I like to leave anywhere I am better off than what when I got there. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were only on this earth for a certain period of time, although uh, my wife keeps chiding me because I'll be 81. She said, you know, what are you doing? You can't take this with you. So I decided I'm not going anyway. So <laughs> here I am. And uh, Awesome. I love it. I just want to. I just want to uh, uh, contribute, and uh, it isn't money so much as it's the challenges. And if you can accept challenges and find ways to overcome them, and I think for the space you're taking up here on this good earth, you're repaying it in, in kind and maybe with a little interest. You know, extremely inspirational. Well said, and you definitely are a gentleman that are making changes. When you look at the Delta Wing car and, and the innovativeness of that car and the design, it's so, so different. And just like all the things that you've built in your life. So very well said. I love that. Thanks for sharing all that. I always ask my guests at this point about a moment that instigated your passion for cars. Your passion came much later in life. So you're going to have a very different answer than most people. Is there a pivotal moment when you started to realize that maybe Don Panos is a car guy? It was uh, at Le Mans in 1997. Oh, wow. I don't know. Uh, this was after Sebring and uh, after Road Atlanta that we won. And uh, went to Le Mans with uh, three cars, uh, John Paldrio with uh, Dams Racing in, in France uh, had one, and uh, Dave Price ran two. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know what happened. There was some mosquito or something flying around that bit me, <laughs> and I got this damn virus, and I haven't been able to shake it. I got bit by the sports car racing. I, I love it. You know, I look at other forms of racing, let's say they're two hours long. You know, there's uh, two or three tenths of a second, and they all run the same, or there's maybe two or three passes. Uh, they turn left all the time or whatever, but... Sports car racing, you know, it's endurance racing. you got good drivers. You have to be fit. Uh, there's a lot of passing because of the different classes. Like I said, I got bit by the virus, and I'm infected, and I guess I always will be. Well, I'm so glad that that little mosquito bit you at Lamar. <laughs> That's very cool, very cool. What I would love to do now is take a look at some of the challenges that you faced along the way. You've, you've faced, I'm sure, many, many challenges and many great failures, maybe. But the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that particular challenge or that failure, and what did it teach you to help you move forward? Well, you know, Mark, that's that's a good question. Uh, to be honest, I didn't realize in the beginning with racing that I had challenges because I wasn't au fait with it. I wasn't a race bug, you know. I wasn't a car guy. Mm -hmm. uh, I just thought, well, this is the way the landscape is and the things that you do. But I started to notice things, first off in the racing, that there was a lot of politics. Mm. And uh, 
the teams and the owners and the head mechanics and the race engineers all looking up and down the track at each other, trying to figure out how they can get an advantage. If they didn't want to spend money, then maybe they figured out how they could get an advantage by politicking. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that none of them were looking across the track at Uh, the fans. Oh, wow. And I noticed that in the races I was going to in that period of 97 was that maybe there'd be 2,000 people except for Sebring or except for Le Mans and except for uh, Daytona. There would maybe be two or 3,000 people. That was it. And uh, when I got uh, tired of the politics and, uh, you know, I, I call it the socialism of racing. Uh, you can spend money to go faster and then another guy gets a break because he didn't spend money. Yeah. So I made a deal with the ACO, and we did the Petit Le Mans, and uh, then the America Le Mans series, and we made the agenda that, you know, the rules came out once a year, that was it, and you're on your own. Mm -hmm. And we called it, uh, you know, for the fans. The America Le Mans series was for the fans, and we tried to make their experience great, and uh, they could know that uh, what they were watching was bonafide, the best cars are going to win, and that was the way it was going to be. Wow. Well, you know, for those of us that have enjoyed the series over the years, thank you for doing that because it has made it more interesting for us, the fans. I got to attend some of those events live and uh, they were really spectacular. We appreciate that. Let's shift gears here, Don, and go to the other end of the spectrum. I always like to ask my guests about a career aha moment. It's a time when the headlights come on and illuminate the track ahead of you to to give you that new idea, uh, uh, help you bring it to fruition. Could you tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success? Yeah, the first, well, outside of you know being surprised by everything I was getting involved with at the beginning, uh, the first aha moment was I met a chap in England called Bill Gibson, and he told me about doing a hybrid, and this was in uh, 1998. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, well, this makes sense. And uh, so we did it, and next year, that our second year at Le Mans, we came with the Painter's GTR1 Hybrid, which was the first hybrid race car. We missed qualifying at Le Mans because of stupidity. You know, when you go to qualify, everybody puts a little, a little bit of fuel in and uh, gets the sticky tires, and they do everything to make the car as fast as they can. And uh, in, the, in the case of the, the hybrid, we, we probably could have taken 200 pounds of batteries out of the car and been fine. But we didn't think about that, and we missed qualifying, I think, by a second. Oh. But then it went on to we went on to Petit Le Mans, and it won its that was its first race, and it won it. Mm-hmm. And that aha moment was, look, this really worked because then I got to understand that when you came out of those corners and that hybrid kicked in that electric motor, that was instant torque. Yeah, and the cars really performed. Yeah, and and then it goes to the downside. I thought, wow, isn't this great? And I went to see all the OEMs. Ford, General Motors, Chrysler, and I said, you know, we've got this hybrid, and we've shown that it can work, and that it can be great, and this was 98, and so kind of everybody looked at me, took a, a big yawn, put their hand over their mouth, and said they're not interested. Ooh, wow. And now look today, and now they're interested. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and the unusual thing about it was, was that now we know about Tesla, but it was Bill Gibson and his concept of the electric uh, uh, car that did the first Lotus Elons as an electric vehicle, which Tesla later acquired many years later. Oh, yeah. But uh, so, you know, that was an aha moment. I've had a couple of others. The aha moment for the the Delta Wing was uh, 
this car looks so crazy. And I read about it, and everybody said, you know, for it, and they were trying to get it in Indianapolis. And uh, I read about it, and I thought, everybody said it's going to fly, it's, you know, it's not going to corner, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Then we started getting interested in it, and we found out, you know, this car can race. It's going to be half the weight, half the horsepower, half the fuel, and go just as fast, and it will corner, and uh, and it won't fly. <laughs> and so... Uh, take that along with now, uh, you know, what we call technologies that are coming out of, and again, electric cars, which, by the way, is a new technology. I mean, Ferdinand Porsche, did, I think, in 1892. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, you know, we're talking about electric cars, and they consider that new technology, but they're putting it in an old technology drive, uh, you know, uh, product. Right, right. Old technology cars. Mm-hmm. A delta wing is a new architectural technology. It's an architectural technology of aerodynamics. It's, it's got a fulcrum. It'll stick to the track. It can compete. And it has less drag, less rolling resistance, and all that. Right. So you take that, and uh, we've done tests on that, and we have a road car coming. And uh, we found out that we can get about a 42% increase in petrol mileage. Oh, my goodness. Take that and then add electric motor to it. And you're going to have the architectural advantage, that consumption or power uh, efficiency, and you'll go further. Mm -hmm. And then if you can find a way like we have done, and we'll be announcing uh, before you do this program, uh, Mark, Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be announcing the new motors that we have licensed out of Georgia Tech, which are 20% of the weight and 20% of the size of current electric motors. Wow. So if you got that and you take the weight advantage, then you've got... Again, more mileage. You can go further. Mm-hmm. And then you can say, well, forget going further by taking the weight out. What about replacing the weight with more batteries? Then we'll just go further again. We call that cumulative technology. Mm-hmm. So if you can do cumulative technology, new technology on top of new technology, you can have a great result. And that is what Delta Wing Technologies is all about. Wow. It's, it's just absolutely fascinating. You know, even when the GTR1 came out, it just it was such a unique looking car. And of course, the Delta Wing looks like something from Star Wars. Just fantastic. And to watch it go around a track, it almost defies what your eyes are seeing when you go, wait a minute, how did it do that? <laughs> it's just amazing. Yeah. yeah, very cool. Wow, I love all this. I think we could do a whole show just talking about that. But let's move forward here. Talk a little bit about proudest career moments. I would assume you've had many, but is there one that really stands out for you that you'd like to share with us? I have to tell you, that is two. Awesome. Okay. One is, of course, winning the Mons mm-hmm. with uh, an English privateer team with a gentleman driver that was seven seconds off the best driver in the car, Tom Kimber Smith, with his first year having a Pano's Esperante yeah. and beating the factory Porsches and Ferraris and setting a record for the most distance traveled in 24 hours. Holy cow. That was phenomenal. Yes. That was phenomenal. Yeah. The other moment that I'm really proud of uh, that never gets much attention was winning the Trans Am Manufacturers Championship. When we won that, there was only one Panos. There was five or six Jaguars. uh, There was five or six uh, Mustangs, Corvettes, I don't remember. But uh, we won that. There was 11 races. We had seven first place, four podiums. And with one car, we won the Manufacturers Championship. Wow. That was one hell of a well, Boris Said was the driver. Oh, yeah. Well, congratulations to those two phenomenal accomplishments. My goodness. 
And for a company that's so new to the sport, too, just absolutely incredible. When you talk about going up against the likes of the heritage of a Jaguar or, or Ford or any of the other cars, what you guys pulled off there must have raised a lot of eyebrows up and down pit lane, I would imagine. Now, let's have a little bit of fun here. I like to ask my guests about what was their first really special car. And since cars came into your life later in life, this is going to be an interesting answer. What was that first vehicle that really meant something to you? Uh, I was uh, 18 years old. It was, excuse me, it was in the summer in Alliance, Ohio. I was uh, helping my uncle who had a roofing contracting business and those 85 and 90 degrees, 80%, 90% humidity days there. Oh, goodness. Putting, replacing a roof on, a, on, a, on Morgan Steel mm-hmm. on one of their factories. Didn't make a lot of money, but uh, I was living with my uncle, and I bought my first car. And it was a 1946 Mercury convertible. And it was painted peacock metallic green. Oh, my gosh. Which I think was the first metallic paint I'd ever seen. Yeah. And had a leopard skin interior. Oh, wow. And although I'm not a car guy, and I I don't think I ever opened the hood or did anything like that, but tried to hop it up but uh i sure liked with red hair and that car i liked my presence and uh i did get a lot of attention and i guess when you're 18 that's important but that was my (laughs) first car and i love that thing wow you surprised me with that answer that is not what i was expecting so uh that sounds fantastic i'm trying to imagine that young 18 year old in that car with the leopard skin interior and peacock turquoise metallic paint my goodness what a display. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've owned that you let go that you, for sentimental reasons you really wish you had back in your garage? I, I've had a I've had a couple that I, I thought were phenomenal cars. I, I remember the first I bought a Lexus and I think right when they first came out, nineteen ninety around there sometime. Uh-huh. Nineteen eighty seven, ninety, somewhere there. Yeah. And it was a, it was really a spectacular car. And uh I was really enthused with that, and uh, it, it was phenomenal. And I had a lot of other cars, and of course in racing, or if you have a series, you, you get availability of cars to use occasionally from the manufacturers. And they've all been nice cars, and I've always appreciated it, but that Lexus as, my, as the first kind of luxury car, I thought was really spectacular. And then uh, there was a period of time that I had several Audis, which I thought performed great, and then... Um, my friend from uh, from Audi, uh, Dr. Pefkin, then went to Bentley as head of Bentley. Oh wow! Talked me into, and I bought a uh, a Bentley, and nice. Uh, nice. That was a phenomenal car. Yeah. Then my friend Dr. Durheimer from Porsche talked me into getting a Porsche Panamera, mm. and uh, that was great. And as soon as I got the car, he got transferred to Bentley and wanted me to go back to a Bentley again. <laughs> so. Anyway, I've driven some great cars, and they all were they all were great. I never really had remorse of a car, because like I said, I'm not a car guy. I I pro- I have a Jaguar now. I I can't tell you how to open the hood on it, but <laughs> I like the challenge of the racing, the team, the drivers, the coordination that people do. I like to see the fans. I like to see them enjoying the races. Yeah. But I'm not a mechanic. I'm not a guy that gets in and understands it or gets the head changed or puts dual exhaust pipes on. I just take what I got and enjoy it. There you go. And be glad that I got it. Absolutely. Be grateful. 
Now, we're into 2016. What are some of the great new things that have you very excited this year, really fired up with what you guys are doing there? Well, first of all, we've sorted out the, the gearbox problems on the Delta Wing, and the car will be a good performer this year. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I think this is an appropriate year in 2016, and the car is, is painted in the color scheme, and it's God bless America. Nice, nice. And I'm looking forward to seeing that car go around the country. And that's enthusiasm for me yeah. for that that this year and that car. But also along with that, we have built we have now in the process we built the chassis of the first Delta Wing GT car. Oh wow! And we now have the buck. We're getting ready for the body work, and I intend on racing the petrol version of that towards the end of the season, wherever I, they'll let me race it. Oh wow! And uh, while they're doing that. Uh, along with this new motor that we have, the tech, uh, this new motor technology that we have, and we have a worldwide wide rights to this motor for all automotive use, we'll be doing an EV car, oh, cool. an EV GT. Yeah. I'll be working towards what I've told our guys. Like I said, you got to take time every day to dream, and you got to have a dream that you go after and make it work. And that EV car is going to be the holy grail. Yes. I want to build an EV car that can go as long on the track uh, before you have to change the batteries as a four as a pet as a ferrari or a porsche can on a tank of fuel wow and yeah that's the big one right if i can do that the holy grail well there is no slowing don panos down in 2016 i can see that now here's a very introspective question for you don this is an interesting one if don panos was a car what kind of car would he be and why (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, a front engine race car. Yeah. <laughs> if I was a car, I uh, I like uh, a phrase that we use in our rewards, uh, resorts, which is, uh, I would like to be the subtle difference of excellence. Mm, I don't want to scare anybody off, but I want to surprise the, surprise the hell out of them. Very cool. So that would be, I'm trying to think of the right car for that. I have a feeling it's a car that you create, that you innovate. That's going to that's gonna be that Delta Wing GT car. There you go. I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Don, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank okay. you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Don, we are back and we're entering the last lap. You're a guy who likes to be at the races. You know what this means. The white flag is out. It's time to put our foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Ready. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't outdrive your capabilities. (laughs) Yes, very important. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Never give up. Always get to the top of the mountain and look over to the valley. 
Never stop before the top. I love it. And how about a resource? I know there are lots of resources out there, but is there one in particular that you really enjoy that you think the Cars Yow listeners would like as well? I get a kick. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of at the age where I'm not as au fait with all the things that you guys are in the, in the modern world, all the computers and the apps that you can get. <laughs> but I, I kind of just like to get the television set if I can't go to a race and watch a good sports car race on television or or go to Le Mans uh, and 3 o'clock in the morning listen to the sound of the cars. That's really what excites me. Bliss for you. Sounds good. Now, how about a book, Don? I assume you've read many books in your life, but is there one in particular that stands out for you that you'd like to share? There is one. It's called Atlas Shrugged. Ah, yes. By Ann Rand. And I, I read that in 1971 when I went over to Ireland to build a long corporation. And it wasn't until I read that book. I mean, I told people I went over there because I had an idea that everybody said wouldn't work and I couldn't do it, et cetera, et cetera. But when I read that book, I understood why I went to Ireland. Yeah. And uh, I understand why I do the things I do in racing and other things. And I understand what it means to contribute. Absolutely. It's a fantastic book. I love that book. Both my kids read it when they were in high school. And uh, yeah, life-changing book for sure. Fantastic. Well, I'll remind our listeners, you can find links to all these great resources that Don has been so kind to share at carsyeah.com slash Panos. And there's another great place on the site, Guest Recommended Books, where Ian Rand's book, Atlas Shrugged, and all the other past 400 plus guest books are for a quick, easy link to buy. All right, we are up to the checkered flag, Don, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car, and I'll include collector race car because you love racing so much in your garage, but don't worry about the price because today I'm going to buy you whatever you'd like. What would that one vehicle be and why? Wow, that's <laughs> a tough one. Yeah, I know. I would have to say it would be the Panos GTR1, which had to be homologated as a road car before it could ever race. And that's a beauty. There's only one of that because that was the only car that was homologated. The rest were race cars. Where does that car exist today? Is it still somewhere? Yeah, in the Painos Museum here in Brazelton, <laughs> where you can come and you can come and see all the cars that we had and the victories. And uh, any donation, there's no charge. Any donation you give goes to Eagle Ranch, which is a place for abused children, or to the Brazelton City Library. Oh, it's fantastic. Well. Boy, you got me off the hook today. You already have your favorite car, so I don't have to buy you one. But uh, I think that's great. What a wonderful vehicle and whatever a great cause that you guys help out there, too, with the children. That's fantastic. Don, you have taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed talking with you. I think I could talk with you for hours and hours and learn so much. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yow listeners. Would you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you head off down the racetrack in that Panos GTR one? Mark, I'll tell you what it is. I want you to come down and visit me, and let's get a pot of coffee and sit down and just chew the fat for a couple of hours about your experiences, which I'm sure are many, and I'd like to share some more with you. Wow, what an awesome invitation. That is absolutely spectacular. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and what you're doing in your companies? Delta Wing Technologies as, as a website, Elon has a website. Panos has a website. All right. uh, they're all part of the, of the Delta Wing Technology Group, but they're different areas. One's road car production, one's race car production. Yep. The other is the Delta Wing Technology production. 
So any of those, and they can, or you just Google me. There's enough stuff in there. Don't believe everything, but you can Google <laughs> There is a lot of stuff there. Absolutely. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Don has shared with us today on his very own show notes page at carsyad.com. Just put Don in the search bar. That'll pop up with links to all the websites. I would encourage you to explore what they're up to. Uh, this is a man who is a consummate entrepreneur who has not slowed down, is not slowing down, and is heading for the moons. One more thing. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, I, I know about the books and, you know, all the things that you do. But I have a book coming out this year. No kidding. Oh, awesome. And the, the title is, is Drinking, Driving, and Drugs. Wow. <laughs> okay. That sounds very interesting. That's the history of, of my life, pharmaceuticals, wineries, and uh, racing. So, You know, I love that. I'll tell you what. You were so kind to invite me to visit you. When your book comes out, let's have you come back to Cars Yeah. We'll talk to our listeners about this new book to help promote it and make people aware of it. I think that would be fantastic. Okay, you got it. All right. You got it. And hello to all your fans and your listeners. Well, thank you. I want to thank you for being so generous today with your time and, and with your expertise and for sharing your experience with our listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Okay. And to all the fans out there, I think Mark has a, a great program. Not Just don't listen to mine. Listen to all of his programs. And uh I'm sure when we get this book out, he comes down. We're going to have another one. And uh, I look forward to being in touch with seeing fans or rubbing hands with them at the different racetracks around the country and around the world. Well, thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!